welcome to the third and final episode in our three-part MS Path to Care Wellness Podcast series brought to you by Candu MS and Sanofi Genzyme. If you missed the first two parts of this series, please go back and check out the last two episodes. MS Path to Care resources encourage those living with MS to work with their support partners and care teams to address all aspects of MS care and wellness. Each of these podcasts will focus on different dimensions of wellness through the eyes of a couple who has lived with MS for over 30 years, Myra and Steve Lazonic of Elkhorn, Nebraska. In this episode, Myra and Steve will discuss their experiences with home, work, and relationships with psychologist Roz Kalb. back with Myra and Steve Lazanek, um, and we're going to talk about work, home, and relationships together. So, Myra, can you start by telling us a little bit about your career and how MS started to impact it? Yeah, well, I uh, retired from elementary school teaching 30, oh gosh, how many, I taught 37 years, or 36 years, and I retired nine years ago and at, right before I started to retire or re- I was thinking about retiring um, I was having trouble with fatigue and getting through the day and and then I was eligible for retirement anyway and so you know we decided by talking to our financial planner that it was okay to do that because I wasn't taking early retirement I was mm-hmm. eligible mm-hmm. and so it just made sense to do it okay and did you work for a long time with a lot of physical discomforts of MS? No. Over the years, I think that I, you know, I had a, a, some small exacerbations. One was the MS hug, which is where you feel like you have a compression vest on and uh, you, you just can't breathe. And that was sort of the precursor to the progress, you know, that I started progressing. And so then that was when I did get a neurologist and I knew that it was time to uh, address the MS issues that I had been kind of pushing to the background. And, uh, but after I had taken some medicine, it went away. But then towards the end, before I retired, I was just having a lot of fatigue. It was hard to get through the day because I just wanted to lie down on the floor, take a nap about three o'clock every day. So, you know, I knew that it was probably time, even though I probably would have, I probably would have taught maybe two or three more years had I not been having that. And prior to that time, had you talked about your MS with your supervisor or your colleagues? I had never talked about it with anybody really until I had the MS hug and I needed to, I missed a week of school because of that. And so then I had to tell people. Mm-hmm. And, and how did they respond? They were very empathetic, actually. I, my my uh, principals and the teachers I worked with, they were all very caring and what can we do to help you? They wanted to know more about the disease at that time, and they had no idea I had it. And so I, I guess in hindsight, I should have probably told them that I did, but I didn't need to because I wasn't having a whole lot of trouble. So in addition to the pressures of regular work life and teaching young kids, which I know you did, you were also keeping to yourself this whole inner life that was going on in your body. Um, so that must have been I, I did, and stressful. I wouldn't ever re- recommend that. I mean, obviously, one of the things that we've learned from going to can-do programs is that 
you know, communicating with people about the disease itself and, and how it's affecting me is important. Not only our friends and my our daughter, but Steve, um, I, I didn't tell anybody how I was feeling. I mean, it was happening so rarely that sometimes I could forget that I even had MS. So, you know, it was it was just not that big of a deal, you know, until later on when it started progressing. And Steve, how was this impacting your work life at that time? Early on, it didn't impact my work life that much. She mentioned taking a day off here and there when fatigue set in, and I wouldn't know about it. Uh, I always left earlier for work than she did and got home after she returned home. And I would find out about it when I came home. She mentioned, oh, I decided to stay home. I was tired. I was fatigued. And for me, it was, you know, oh, how are you feeling now? Oh, better, or I might take another day, she'd say, or whatever she chose to do. So it didn't impact my work. Over time, though, I think emotionally, it did affect my work. I tried not to let it show at work as she progressed. I don't think I could ever say I made bad decisions at work, you know, worrying about her condition or what she was going through. So I just carried on, buried myself in my work. So when you started to talk about retirement, did you talk to anybody else or get opinions from anybody about how to go through that process, or did you just decide yourselves? Uh, well, the school district that I worked for had uh, seminars for retirement, and then we also talked to our financial planner. And so, you know, it just seemed like the right thing to do because I was eligible, and so we knew we had enough money for our retirement, and so it made sense to yeah. do And I, I attended meetings with the school program. Yeah, we both did. Yeah, we both did. So I understood what was going on. I could share that information with our financial planner, and they looked at the numbers and made sure that we were in a position to do that, and that I set a goal that I would retire so many years farther out. And when they looked at everything, it made sense to them, and it made sense to us too. And her retirement really was just a natural, it's time. Well, it sounds like it. you did it very carefully and thoughtfully, though. So We did. So I know you love teaching, and I know that that was really central to your sense of who you were and a professional. So then you retire. What was it like for you then? How did you find a new Myra, so to speak, um, who is no longer a teacher of elementary school children, but a new part well, of your life? That, that very, very first year, I did go back and I helped out because I was teaching English as a second language at the last bit. And so uh, I did go back and help out there a little bit. So I kind of kept my foot in the door. But then after that, uh, I think what happened was I realized that because of of the fatigue, now I could pace myself and I wouldn't have to do everything on a weekend. I wouldn't have to do all the grocery shopping, all the cleaning and all that all on the weekend. I could just, you know, spread it out throughout the week and feel very comfortable then and not have that fatigue so much. Mm -hmm. So you were able to focus on other activities yeah. and on your household chores and things. Steve, what was that like for you? What changes did you notice in your role in the household as uh, Myra's MS progressed, but also as she was home focused on the home. What happened? When she was working, a lot of times, Saturdays 
for the day to get everything done, Saturdays and Sundays. Uh, when she was working a lot of times, I did the grocery shopping on Saturdays while she did laundry. After she retired, a lot of that work, grocery shopping, moved to the week, midweek, and laundry was done midweek. So it opened up our weekends to where after I came home from work on Friday, we had a Saturday and a Sunday. We had a weekend that we really didn't have before. We had no time for ourselves. After she retired, we had time for ourselves. And I think we took, made it a conscious effort then to plan things that we could do together, you know, like outdoor concerts during the summertime, going to a venue to a concert or, or just see a speaker or whatever, but actually searching for things to do together because we now had the time mm -hmm. and um, didn't have to spend so much time on the household chores. So I've heard you say something in the past, Steve, that really had an impact on me. And it was, you're talking about how Myra is the pace setter. Mm -hmm. So now you're retired, Myra. You're at home. You're balancing activities in the household and also trying to do all these things together that you've never had a chance to do. What does it mean to you, Steve, to say Myra is the pace setter? It means that I need to be aware of her physical well-being and emotional well-being. And being the pace setter, if she has the energy to do things, we do them. She might have an idea to do something, we go do it. I might have an idea to do something, we go do it. If the energy isn't there, I have to understand that. And the thing I wanted to do or she wanted to do, we put it on the back burner. I can't force her to do something that's going to take away her energy. Energy management for her is key. Energy conservation is key. And if we don't conserve and manage that energy, she's exhausted and we get nothing done. So we've talked a lot about communication, and it sounds like you must have had to do some really good communicating to arrive at that understanding um, of how you were going to manage your life after retirement. I think that what happens is that he does, he does a lot of planning on his own, too, where, like, he'll say, you don't want to go to a movie or out to eat tonight. And sometimes I say yes, and sometimes I'll say, uh, no, that's not going to happen tonight. Maybe you go get takeout and bring it home instead. Or maybe we have been cleaning together, and we don't, you know, I, don't, I just don't feel like cooking that night. And so he'll go get that. And so we communicate about that. But I think that that's the key now is that when he has to ask me, you know, is it, you know, do you want, do you feel like doing that? And I'll say, well, maybe not today. Or, yeah, let's try it. For more long-term things, you know, like let's just say we're going to go on a trip or something. Or it's going to be visiting our daughter in Minneapolis then, you know, we plan ahead for that and we try to conserve my energy in such a way so that we can manage it. So it, it, it's always a juggle, though. You know, you never quite know for sure what's going to be happening. But you can't juggle without that communication. So yeah, and flexibility. That and, and patience. Patience, flexibility, mm -hmm. communication. So one other issue, um, you know, you, I, I know you take great pride in your home and how you take care of it and how you've always taken care of it in the past and now you have some limitations. Mm -hmm. So how does it feel for you when Steve has to step in and do some things that you would have preferred to be able to do yourself around the house perhaps? 
well, I hate it because I can't do it. And a lot of times I try, but I, it just, I don't have the energy or the balance or the ability to do it. And so like last year I broke my ankle and that was sort of the catalyst to Steve to kind of taking over the grocery shopping, the vacuuming, um, and, and, and it sort of has continued on, even though the ankle is okay now, the shift has gone more to him than it is to me for the household duties. Is it hard to watch somebody doing things differently than you might do them yourself if you were able? Yeah, sometimes. But, and you know, <laughs> we laugh about this now. But there are things like, for example, you have a drawer for your utensils in the kitchen. And I, when I'm cooking, I don't want to have to go searching for the spoon that I wanted to be in this slot rather than that slot over there. And so sometimes he laughs at me because he's it's like, well, what, who cares where, the, that, where that spoon is? I said, well, for me to have to stand there for five minutes looking for that, that's using up the, what little energy I have to cook. So those are the kind of things that we laugh about sometimes. And sometimes he probably is like pulling his hair out about. But humor helps. It does. It is that does. Is sure yes. fair to say? Yes. For sure. So we've talked a lot about a lot of different areas of well-being together. Um, at home, at work, in your relationships. What do you think is the biggest thing that you've each learned about caring for these different aspects of your wellness? How do you, how do you pull it together for yourselves and with each other? It took a while for me to understand that I can't continually do everything for her, be it her beck and call, so to speak, not that I don't want to be, but I need me time as well. Mm-hmm. When I have time for myself, I re-energize my batteries, so I'm more supportive of her. And also, what she just talked about, having a place for everything and having those things in that place. I talked earlier about managing and conserving energy. It's taken me quite a while to understand that that is key for her survival. If I'm not doing those things and other things as well, that starts building the wall between us. And so I need to knock that wall down, or we both need to knock the wall down through communication and understanding of why she needs something that way or something done for her. But also for her, she understands and she's actually pushed me to go have that me time because she knows I'll come back and be more supportive when we have our time together. And it strengthens the team. Great. And that's what we are, a team. Anything you want to add to that? I couldn't ask for a better support partner or spouse. You guys do an amazing job. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you for sharing. Roz, Steve, and Myra for the engaging discussion. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in to this episode of the MS Path to Care Wellness Podcast Series, a partnership with Candu MS and Santa Fe Genzyme. Be sure to check out the other episodes in the Path to Care series, Mood, Cognition, and Spirituality, and Diet, Exercise, and Healthy Behaviors. For additional resources, please visit www.ms path2care.com.